Welcome to the Shiny Brightly Show. I'm Howard Brown, author, speaker, Silicon Valley entrepreneur, international peacemaker, and yes, two-time stage four cancer patient survivor and advocate. Each episode will take you from resilience to hope and a whole lot more because Shining Brightly does make the world a better place. Be prepared to be inspired. Hello, it's Howard Brown. It's the Shining Brightly Show. I got another good one. I seem to every week. Isn't that strange? So I have to tell you that I love athletes and I love people that want to make real impact uh, for themselves, for others, and in their communities. And I want to welcome Carrie Kenzie. Carrie, welcome to the Shining Brightly Show. Hey, thanks, Howard. You are smiling up a storm, and I love it. Um, I got to tell people about you because uh, we just recently got introduced. And I said, you got to pop on my show. I had to yeah. have her. I had to do it. We we just, we bonded, we clicked. It's it's happening. And that's how it works, is that we uh, I find people, and I, I, want, I want them to share their voice just so wide and shine their light. Uh, as Shining Brightly tells you to do. All right, Carrie Kenzie is not just a coach. She is a life changer. You're going to learn how she is. A survivor of the Boston Marathon bombing. Now, listen, I'm a kid from Boston. All right, I can say it correctly. I parked my car. She was there in 2013, a decade ago. We're going to hear about it. It's the deets. Her stories of incredible resilience, unyielding strength. This experience, okay, with many others that were there that day is, is life-changing. And combined with her success as an entrepreneur, she built and sold multi-million dollar uh, marketing empire businesses and makes, she's a force to be reckoned with in uh, speaking in the coaching world as well. We're gonna learn about that. Carrie brings a dynamic energy. She transforms audiences with a blend of raw honesty, insightful strategies. She doesn't just speak, she ignites change. That's what I love. She's been featured in Entrepreneurial Magazine, Runner's World. She is a go-to expert on overcoming adversity, sparking creativity, and driving success. Her sessions are powerful and practical wisdom. They're infused uh, with an edge that cuts straight to the heart of your challenges. No messing around with this girl. Um, in the coaching arena, she is a quantum healer, intuitive business strategist. She doesn't just guide, she revolutionizes. Her approach is direct, personalized, and ruthless in the effect of helping you conquer your limitations and seize your potential. Oh my God, I can't wait to dig in on this one. So, Barry, welcome. We just read the bio, but tell us something that, uh, you know, give me a fill in some more deets there. Tell me something we might not know about you. Oh my gosh. Well, I absolutely, I love coffee. And first, when you asked me this question, I was like, you know what? Not everybody knows that I sat in a birthday cake when I was four years old. How fun is that, right? You wait, 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 you, wait, wait. Back, back story. You were at a birthday party. So I'm at a birthday party. I uh, I don't even remember whose birthday party it was. It was not even my cake. It is somebody else's cake. I'm at a birthday party. I'm playing with my aunt uncle's dog, who I absolutely adored, who I swear was probably taller than me at this time and freaked me out for some reason. And all of a sudden I take off running because now the dog's chasing me playing. I think I'm going to be eaten. So I run over to everybody and I climb up on the picnic table and I turn around and I sit down real quick. And then I realize I've just sat in the birthday cake. Bottom in the cake at age four. That's so, right. So, so either they were laughing their butt off at you or they're yelling at you. Right. It was a lot of laughter. Uh, the dog listen, thought it was a great. Oh, I'm sure. But uh, everyone eats smush cake or, uh, or <laughs> they went to the cupcakes as backup or cookies. Um, I want to uh, coffee, my passion. I love it. Mm -hmm. So um, 
just quickly, uh, do you uh, slow drip? Or do you use a cured cup? What do you do? For your, do you grind your own beans? Yes, coffee? I am a, like, got to grind my own beans. I'm a pour over coffee type of girl. Yep. And I will either do it black or I will do it bulletproof style, which means I'm going to add a little butter, a little MCT oil, maybe a little stevia. And it's like a perfect little latte with all the fuel I need for the day. Awesome. Well, I make iced coffee. So Ooh. I actually take the grounds that I make up and I pour that with water in a pickle jar. And then um, someone from Babson College invented this called Brew, B-R-U-W. He sold the company to Snarky Tea, but it's the best little invention. It's two pickle jars and a filter. You let it sit for 24 hours in uh, the fridge. You take yeah. it out and then you filter it and it takes all the grounds out of it and you get pure coffee in another pickle jar. Um, and I do that always the night before. And I, I wake up and I have my, my, my own cold brew. It's just the coolest thing. Now, I, if you want to add cream or stevia or whatever, you can yeah. do that too. Yeah. yeah. But also I, I grind up the, the different types of beans and stuff like yeah. that. So it's cool. But I love my coffee. It's, uh, that's our, we're, we're aligned, as they say. In so many ways. So, you know, I have to tell you, when we were uh, introduced by, uh, we're going to shout out to Rachel Rose, right? Yes. Maggie Cook, big shout yes, out. Yes, absolutely. Uh, lo love them. Is that I, I just, your energy, I mean, you're just a force to be reckoned with. I was so taken when I watched your videos and your presentation. I, I just love it. Um, we're very similar. We yeah. give, we just pour in, we pour in. And so give me some backstory here. Take, take me back a little ways before we get to the Boston Marathon. Tell me a little bit more about, uh, you know, get, getting getting there before that. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Midwestern girl. I say I'm a Midwestern girl with a big city spirit. Nobody can ever imagine that I live in Iowa. Uh, but small town girl moved to the big city of Des Moines. Uh, grew up and kind of followed in the footsteps of my dad, went into sales. And from there, got the opportunity to purchase the company that I was working for. So I bought a company when I was 30 years old. I was pregnant with my second child at the time. And I ran that company, grew it from being one employee and under like $100,000 in sales up to a multi-million dollar marketing agency at 18 to 20 employees at one time. Um, it was a lot of fun. I just, mm -hmm. I so enjoyed it. I got to travel. I really got to do the thing that I love. People would ask me, I was so good in sales. They'd go, gosh, how do you do? I'm like, you know what? I would say I was top in sales and I never sold anything. I never did because I'm a relationship girl. Like I really want to understand and know who you are. And I want to understand and know what it is that your desire is. And like, let's figure that out. So that took me up until, gosh, I ended up selling that business in January of 2019, um, three kids, uh, and two dogs and still living in the Midwest for the next short little period of time before I move on. But that's just right. a little bit about me. Yeah. Now, but, but you're also a runner. Oh yeah. yeah I picked so up running. Yeah, so crazy. Running? I picked up running in 2009 because I'd had my third child and I wanted to lose the baby weight. I mean, I'd run races before I'd done short little races around town, a little 5k here, um, nothing ever serious. And I called some girlfriends up because I was training for, I want to, maybe it was like a 10 miler. Um, and I knew they ran longer. I said, Hey, can I come out and join you guys? It's a Sunday morning. They're like, yeah, absolutely. So I joined them for a run. And within a couple of weeks, I kept going back because now it's community. I got somebody to run with. Um, after a couple of weeks, they were like, you know what? I really think that we ought to run a marathon this fall. And I was like, okay, 
I had no idea what I was getting into. I probably at that point didn't even know a marathon was 26.2 miles, but I liked hanging with the girls. And so that's how I ended up running marathons. Mm. So, all right. So, so then you, I think you said 2010, you qualified. So you had to run another marathon before that, right? So 2009 was my first marathon. Then we decide, oh, we're going to keep going. Now let's go to Minnesota, Twin Cities Marathon. Let's go run that one. Okay, perfect. So end up in Twin Cities running. It is the most gorgeous city to me to run a marathon in. All the trees are changing colors. It's happening in the fall. The weather is super crisp. So it's perfect for running. And you are running through these absolutely gorgeous old stately homes. So I am just absorbing all of the beauty. I'm running. I'm paying attention to nothing. I've got a girlfriend I'm running with. She ends up dropping off at some point. I just kept going. And I ended up finishing, uh, crossing the finish line. And as I came to the end, the, uh, one of the gals that I ran with her husband, we called him our water boy. Cause he went with us every training run, always had the water. So he was everywhere. He meets me at the gate and he comes walking through and he goes, you did it. And I went, what? And he goes, yeah. you did it. And I said, I did what? And he goes, you qualified for Boston. What? <laughs> wow. I had, I had no idea. I, didn't even know that probably the time that I needed to get, I wasn't trying. Yeah. You're just yeah. running. It just yeah. happened. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So in Minneapolis, you qualified and then you said, I'm going to do it. Right. You said you have, well, two I mean, when you qualify for Boston, you have to do it. it I would it's think like, so. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the, I say it's the pinnacle of a marathon runner's dream, right. To qualify and then to actually run Boston. Oh, absolutely. So I have yeah. to tell you something you don't know about me is that I grew up in Framingham, Massachusetts. You ran through Framingham when you ran Boston. So it's it starts in Hopkinton and then goes yep. to Ashland, then Framingham, then, then it goes to Natick and then Wellesley. I, I know the course. I've been there as a little kid at the at the starting line. And then as a college student in Wellesley, I went to Babson College. It runs right by Wellesley yep. College. So um, and I've been at the finish as well. I mean, this is just part of Boston. If you're from Boston and, you know, it's just part of what we grow up with. I mean, the marathon is it's it's huge. Marathon. It's, it's a it's a big deal. It and is you, a very big deal. And you don't you don't have to go to school because it's Patriots Day. So you don't have to go to school that day. Like the entire it's a big celebration. Everybody's yeah. got the game going on. I mean, it is. The yeah, the red, the red Sox, the Red Sox play in the afternoon and it's a big party. I, I, I can turn the Boston on, on and off. Exactly. All right. So lead me up to take me to Boston now. Take okay. me to Boston now. All right. So we're in Boston and uh, I started you alone race. or were you with people? So I was with uh, my husband at the time and my mom. They both went with me. So I hop the bus. I go up to Hopkinton. I start the race. Everything's going amazing. I've got my name printed down the side so people can cheer you on, you know, Um, and everything is going absolutely beautifully. I make it until I want to say it was about heartbreak bill or heartbreak hill. Not surprising at all. And my pace starts to slow. And I was like, okay. And then my legs start to cramp and I'm like, oh crap, this isn't going to be good. And I'd have to stop and stretch. And then I'd run a little bit more and I'd have to stop and stretch. I'd been through this cadence before. So this wasn't new to me. I had learned how to negotiate with myself. I am really good at putting carrots out in front of myself in order to keep me going, which meant I went to the expo before the Boston marathon. Like they always have the expos for the race and I bought the finisher's jacket. 
Because see, here's the key with me. You can buy the finisher's jacket, but you can't wear it if you don't finish the race, right? Like it's just a runner's thing. So the whole time I'm having to stop, things are getting worse, body's completely cramping. I'm telling myself, you have to finish or you cannot wear that jacket. Like that's a waste. You have to finish. So I keep going and then, okay, I will go to the medical tent. As soon as I'm done, I will go to the medical tent. So you're about six miles out. And then mentally you're being challenged physically. You're being physically, challenged, but, but also that crowds cheering everybody on. It's a, it's, it's an event. It's, it it's is huge. I mean, yeah. people are coming up to, can we get you anything? Do you need anything? I mean, it is the most supportive community ever. So I keep going and end up crossing the finish line in under four hours, which is still freaking huge. Yeah. And I kind of collapse over one of the rails. Volunteer comes, picks me up, takes me into the medical tent. Okay, cool. So I go in, they are uh, checking me out. I don't know. I want to say it was about 20 minutes from the time I went in there to them checking me out to getting up for them to get up and go get whatever it was I needed. So I'm sitting on the edge of a cot. All of a sudden I hear this boom. And I went, I did not know that's how they celebrated Patriots day. I didn't, I didn't know they let cannons off. As soon as this thought goes through my mind, the next one hits, but it hits in a way that I the entire universe shook. The ground shook, the tent shook, the cot. I mean, it felt like the ground was going to come out from underneath me. And you instantaneously knew what happened. I looked up, I caught the eyes of a volunteer and you knew the bombs had been set off. So I very quickly then get up thinking, okay, not injured. I have no idea where my family's at. I got to get out of here. So I look around, I'm like, I am fine. I'm leaving. They are now starting to bring in what I call like casualty of limb and those who have been directly impacted at the finish line. So they're starting to come in. I leave. I come out. I look to my right down finishers alley. It is like sunshine, blue skies, but completely empty. I look to my left. I see chaos and smoke and people everywhere. And all of a sudden, a line of yellow jackets, the volunteers start chasing me down the street, screaming, run as fast as you can. So I take off running. I don't know how far, I don't know how fast, but what I do direction, know I, what direction, where are you going? I, I like go the opposite direction of opposite. the finish line. Opposite. Like okay. this is, everybody wow. is now running away from the finish line. I go the opposite direction. I eventually end up finding my family. The kicker of this whole thing. I mean, it's, this is an experience as you can imagine, Um, I end up going back to the hotel room. You collapse, you're exhausted. Not only have I run a marathon, now I've gone through this entire experience and I have no idea how to grapple or to grab hold of anything just happened. But the next day we go back down. I've got to pick my goods up because they were left at the finish. And I'm standing at the end of Boylston street, got that finisher's jacket on proudly wearing it. Reporter comes up, says, Hey, can I ask you some questions? Where were you? What was your experience? Can you share voice in my head? said, it's not your story to tell. And I turned and I walked away. Hmm. And that then became the experience of me post Boston was not as a participant, but was as a spectator because I completely dismissed my experience. Somebody had it worse. Oh, so you kept that held within. Oh yeah. I mean, you do. Plus I owned a business. I've got young kids at home. I come home. I own a business. My world has been shaken. I feel like I am, have been dumped on the ground. I'm completely cracked. I'm holding myself together with duct tape because I tell you what, if anybody else sees that I'm cracked in any way, if anybody else sees that I have been hurt or I'm going through some, I'm going to lose everything. 
And this is typically what high achievers do. Like we'll go through something and then you package that thing up real quick so that nobody else can see any kind of vulnerability and weakness. Because when that rug gets taken out, you don't know what else is going to crumble. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, I mean, it's incredible. So you're holding this in mm-hmm. and you're, and it's just building. And so um, you just, did you just resume life? You, you basically, yeah. uh, you wore the jacket and. I went, I went home. I flew home. I went back to work the next day. I watched the news with the rest of my staff. I ran in tribute uh, and I began training immediately started training because I thought I'm going to be there next year. I'm going back to Boston. That's not how my experience is going to, you know, I want to celebrate. They can't take that away. Well, I started training and then about three, four months later, I went from running marathons to not being able to walk up a flight of stairs without assistance. I became debilitatingly ill and nobody could tell me what was going on. I was having seizures standing up. I am having insomnia and migraines and my muscles are cramping so bad. I can't sign checks. I mean, everything then physically just started to deteriorate and fall apart. And that would go on for a number of years. I mean, I would chase after diagnoses. I I would finally, because I would listen to my intuition after a time period, I'd finally come to understand what labels I could place on those physical ailments, which were chronic Lyme and Hashimoto's and Epstein-Barr and multiple autoimmune conditions. Um, but, but the labels were simply labels. It wasn't actually the issue in 2016 going into 17, I finally figured out what the issue was. And the issue was all of the packaged emotions all the invalidation of myself and my experiences, not just from Boston, but over the course of a lifetime, everything that had been packaged up needed to be unpacked and it had to be readdressed because it was simply manifesting itself physically within me. When I did that, when I took that essence of bravery that got me through Boston and turned it around to look at Boston, that's when healing completely happened. And I overcame all the illnesses and the insomnia was gone overnight. That's incredible because meanwhile, you're training and doing handling marathons with, you know, a tiredness syndrome, uh, Hashimoto's and, uh, which affects autoimmune and, and Lyme disease, which, I mean, I, I know people that have this and it's just, they're always exhausted. Always, always, always. But I tell you what, I showed up to work every day. I went yeah. to the ER on Friday and I got out on Sunday and I went back to work on Monday incredible. and this became my thing. Okay. So now all of a sudden you're able to unpack your, your, you're going back through all this that you've been bottled up. Take me through uh, to the next step here. And then um, be sure to uh, let, let's talk about manifesting your mind to be your creator yeah. as well. Let's, let's yeah. move into that. So. Yeah. Well, and that's really what it became. So what I understood after, after I started to figure out that I needed to, and I had been kind of shown that I needed to go back and unpack and really understand who I was and the experience of all of these things. That's where I really started to understand that, you know what, we actually create the realities that we have. We create the experiences that we have, and we do that unknowingly, sometimes unconsciously, but it is always for a beautiful reason. So for those who kind of know a little bit about Boston, you can, I qualified in 2010. You only have two years to run that race. Otherwise you have to requalify again. Well, 2011, I decided kids too young. I'm going to opt out of 11 and go back for 12. So I do all of the um, paperwork. I book the flights. I get the hotel. I'm, I'm in to run in 2012. 
and I broke my hip in January of 2012. Right. And it has taken a lot of unpacking of that experience for me to now see this and go, Oh, I created being there in 2013. People go, well, why in the heck would you do that? Well, for me, it's actually where my divine path and my life or my life path and my divine purpose collided. Like I can see that now. It was this huge awakening moment for me, mm-hmm. but was I going to embrace that or was I not going to embrace that? Well, this is the part where we have to get curious and really, like I say, take that bravery that got you through the experience to go back and look at it. So now I understand the lessons within it and I can change and shift and become a more compassionate and more loving individual, but I can also break the patterns of the past that took me there to begin with. I mean, could there have been another path that didn't include Boston to wake me up? Absolutely. However, my pattern of invalidation and tucking myself away and not honoring and understanding and knowing who I was, that's what placed me in Boston. Yeah. So uh, this, when I go to this like manifest mind, which is fun, we were talking about just before, you know, people think about, I, I manifest and I create, right? So you get that job. You're like, Oh, I did that. Totally created that. Or, um, I won the game or I finished the race or I qualified for Boston. Right. I created all of that because I tried really hard and I put it on my list and I had it on my vision board. I go, okay. One, uh, if you create all the good, then you also create all the things that aren't on the board and aren't the things that you truly desire. Okay. How do we end up creating those things? Because those are the ones that get in the way of everything that you write down. It's the limitations that we have. And so my idea is, yes, we can manifest and I can write things down and I could have something on my list for four or five years. I mean, it's not happening. And I go, why is it not happening? Well, it's not happening because I don't have a mind. I don't have the beliefs. I don't have the subconscious power to attract that into my life because my subconscious is creating this negative thing over here. I just got to figure out why it's doing that. Now, when I can figure that out and I can shift that subconscious limitation, all of a sudden I can attract the thing that I truly want, but I can attract it now. So if it's on your board, if it's on your list and it's not currently in your life, there's something that's getting in the way of it. Now we get to get curious and figure out what it is. And truly that's how I navigate my life on a daily basis. Uh, And you teach others. And I teach others. And this is what I do for clients, right? They come in, Hey, I'm working on this, or I've got this going on, or I had this experience. I had this trauma. How do I get to the other side of that? I go, okay, so Now we get to ask the questions and get really super curious and dive into that subconscious mind, which I can connect you with and figure out why have you been playing in that sandbox? Because clearly you don't want to be there anymore. Powerful. Really, really, really powerful. I, um, I have to tell you that, um, you know, just, just the, the mental toughness and that, that physical training, uh, to be able to run a marathon. I've not done that. Um, you know, I, I've been faced with through, you know, stage four cancer, but, and I play basketball and all that, but I've not done a marathon. It's not even on my bucket list. Um, you know, I don't want to climb Mount Everest either, but mm-hmm. I still, I'm still in awe of people that are able to do that. And in the last chapter of my book, my college roommate ran the Boston marathon for the leukemia and lymphoma society, which is a beautiful team in training. He wrote it for his high school friend that died of leukemia and in memory of him and in mm-hmm. honor of me. And I include that, 
Um, and someone else ran an Ironman for me and I include their, their uh, ribbon in the last chapter of my book. So um, I'm, I'm just, that's just the amount of love that people shared for me that, you know, to be able to in memory run um, Ironman and run the Boston Marathon, you know, in my honor, I'm just so grateful for that. And in fact, that you completed it. So I have a question for you and then we're going to do the Shining Brightly Spotlight. Oh yeah. Do you wear the Boston jacket? Do you wear the marathon finishing jacket now? I do not wear the Boston jacket now. Actually, it took me, uh, I packed it away for a while. I brought it back out a couple of years ago. Um, I think actually I take that back. I did wear it last year because I did run. Um, I attempted to qualify for Boston again last year uh, in Illinois. It's a, called the last chance BQ Boston qualifier. Um, it was its own experience. I did not qualify at that race, but beautiful, a uh, lot of life lessons in that one. So I did wear it for that. So the reason is, is because you said you bought that to put that carrot in front of you. So I was just curious to mm -hmm. see if, if you were to do that. This is a beautiful show. I, I just, I, so much more to unpack. I'm going to have to have you back because we got to, you know, we'll go deeper, but I love the energy. And this is a great little tease for my audience here for, you know, a, a quick 30 minutes, but I'm going to put on my glasses. If you, if you have some, put, put your glasses on as well. Okay. Oh, you got the Hollywood games on there. All right. So it's perfect. So we're going to shine the spotlight on you. I'd like you to tell people how best to get in touch with you. If you have anything that you uh, want to give away or uh, and then also leave me with some inspiration and kick the show back to me. Oh, my gosh. OK, so uh, I am at Kiri Kenzie, C-A-R-I-K-E-N-Z-I-E, -E, pretty much anywhere you go, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, but my website, you will find a lot of information there on my website. Uh, I offer out actually a 15 minute, a free 15 minute call with me. Um, it just I know people are always curious, you know, what is the thing that's getting in my way? Is there something that's getting in my way? And I love to share my intuitive powers um, and kind of help to shine a little light on that for them. Um, and then, you know, I would say, and I don't have the quote just right in front of me, but probably the one of the most uh, powerful things that I now know that Maya Angelou said is there's no heavier burden to carry than that of an untold story. And so just to understand and to know that uh, you're worthy of the experience you had no matter what that experience is, that you are valid in your emotions and that you have and you are worthy of navigating through that to find the power that lies within. Wow, powerful. You are worthy. Oh, thank you for that. Mm. I, just an incredible show. Um, all of the contact information will be in the show notes and it'll be on all the socials. Please contact uh, Carrie. I mean, I think that you'll, uh, you'll, you'll one, find the experience incredible. Her energy is just amazing and she'll get you unstuck. And that's, that's what you got to, got to kind of move uh, either baby steps forward or, or big giant steps and she'll help get you there. So you've been listening to and watching the shining brightly show. Um, you can find me at shiningbrightly.com. Uh, the, uh, my book is there. It's selling well, it's, it's impacting lives, which makes me feel good. Uh, but I'm speaking, uh, I'm speaking on a cruise coming up soon and, um, always trying to, uh, lift up others, uh, to help them lift, uh, uh, lift up themselves as well. And then uh, you'll also find uh, the, this podcast, the speaking stuff and my advocacy. So, you know, I'm big on entrepreneurship, big on mentorship and leadership, as well as interfaith relations. So, and cancer and the cancer world. So go get screened, go to the doctor, please. You're not your optimal self. And we all know that if you can shine brightly just for a little bit each day for yourself, for others in your communities, the world will be a better place. Thank you, uh, Carrie. Loved having you. Great guest. Thanks, Great Howard. show. Thank you. Yeah. 
Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shining Brightly with me, Howard Brown. Come interact with me at shiningbrightly.com. And remember, keep on shining.